really early this morning. Usually we go, we've been going on at 9, 10, but it's 7 o'clock. It's Mother's Day, so we've got plans on going over to my son's house and his wife. Not my son's house, our son's house and his wife, Zika Monica. So we're going to set our day towards that. Just want to say happy Mother's Day. I'm doing a Mother's Day message about clean hands and a pure heart out of Psalms 24.4. So I'm going to share out of Psalms 24.4. And it's not just specifically about moms, but moms are always telling us, my mom at least, was you wash your hands and watch your tone. Wash your hands, do something practical, do something on the outside, and then watch your tone, your tone of voice. Uh, even the tone of how you slam the door. So if you shut the door and you, it's loud, but your attitude was right, then that's not a problem. It's not, you don't get in trouble. But if you slam the door and your heart is wrong, then that same exact sound has a bad tone to it. So uh happy mother's day to all the moms out there i'll be posting some uh, scriptures and things like that about mother's day on facebook today and maybe a little bit tomorrow just some thoughts about that she so can catch that there but uh clean hands and a pure heart out of psalms 24 4 you know and i was thinking about my mom for mother's day my mom i'm really bad at ages and what people are but my mom's 80 something like one two or three i think she's 82 just turned 82 my wife would know but my mom has been one of those people have i've watched for now i haven't seen her grown spiritually growing spiritually for my 57 years but for 44 of my years since i hit 13 i think that i've seen my mom i think it's probably been 40 something years i've seen my mom grow and she's my mom's grown in these areas i'm gonna talk about about clean hands and a pure heart all right i'm gonna talk today about how you get the clean hands and how you get the pure heart and how they work together and that how with clean hands without a pure heart means you have dirty hands and that cleaning your hands extensively doesn't get you a clean heart. I want you to hear that because most Christians, many of us believe that if I do good works, that my heart will feel better, that I that something will go on in my heart. But really, there is, there is a work to do, but it comes out of a doing a pure heart first, having a pure heart first. All right. So Psalms 24, 4 says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place? It's basically asking a question, who can be in the presence of God? And we know that it's those who, who know Jesus. In the Old Testament, in this Psalm 24, 4, it says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to falsehood, who does not swear deceitfully? He shall receive or she shall receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of his salvation. Now, what I want to talk about is just that first part of verse four. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, when I get something here straight, we don't work for clean hands and a pure heart. That is something that Jesus gives to us. Jesus gives us a clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus works that for us, but we must give him that heart and those hands. OK, and I'm not going to use a bunch of scriptures for that. Or anything like that but jesus gives us that all right so we want to get that straight from the very get-go our clean hands and a pure heart is because of the work of salvation at the cross and because we receive the gift of salvation okay now starting out here what i want us to first i want us to notice the wide gap between our hands and our heart i mean not the distance because my hand can be placed on my heart and be really close to my heart all right. And so it's not the distance between my hand and my heart, but it's a huge gap between what they do 
and how each of them are seen. Now think about this. You've seen my hands before if you've seen me. Even if you've only seen me on video, you've seen my hands before. You might not recognize them because they look like most everybody else's hands, but you say, you say he's got hands. But you'd also say he has a heart, that there's a heart, there's a physical organ called a heart in here. Yet you've never seen that heart before. You've never seen my heart before. Now with these hands, what I do is I reach out to neighbors to help them, to serve them. I reach out to my family to protect them, to love them. Um, I protect them from those that seek to do us harm with their hands and what they do with their hands against me or my family. And our hands care for our children. And it's with our hands that we prepare them for bed. It's with our hands that we caress their face. And it's with our hands that we prepare them meals. And it's with our hands typically and our voice and things like, but with our hands that we make a living. Now we sustain our families and ourselves with our hands. We use our hands to build homes, to tend gardens, to build digital worlds online. We're just redoing our web page and with hands, um, just typing in, we, we are reconstructing that digital world of our web page. Now, most of you have used your hands this morning to tend to your own needs and to beautify yourself. To you've used your hands, to brush your teeth, to comb your hair, to put on eyeshadow, to put on makeup, to put on moisturizer. We, you, you got up, you turned off the alarm with your hands. You got up and you put on your shoes with your hands. You turned on a podcast with your hands. You wash your face with your hands. You put on clothes and you tied shoes with your hands. Now, we tend to take care of our hands very superficially by manicuring them and beautifying them. We cut our fingernails, we polish them, we paint them. I shouldn't say we, but uh, we, we do our cuticles, we, we trim them once a week, we get dirt out from underneath them. If we've been working on the car or in the garden, we clean them up because those are the things that people see. And... And we don't always clean up our heart because we don't think people see our heart. But I'm gonna here to I'm here to tell you, people do see our heart. And when our heart is dirty and our heart is filthy and our heart has grime in it, people get a sense of that. They won't see it or judge it as quickly as they will maybe your hands. And you know what's funny about my hands is I look at them sometimes. I'm like, wait a minute, when did I get old man hands? When did I when did I get my father's hands? So, but think about the contrast then how far away the heart is from that. Our heart is never visible. It's, um, and if it is visible, I shouldn't say never, but if it is visible, then we've been in a terrible accident over on the surgeon's table with a big, big, serious problem. While our heart is always working, we rarely think about it. Um, we don't do, we rarely do anything tangible, noticeable with it. We're not manicuring it. We're not cleaning it very often. If we do it all, we're not thinking about it. And most of us aren't even maintaining it. Now, yes, I know we can't live without our heart, but I want you to follow me on this. Our heart doesn't tuck in our kids at night. Our heart doesn't cook meals for our kids. Our heart doesn't caress the faces of our loved ones. Our heart doesn't deliver groceries to our elderly neighbor. And our heart doesn't take the neighbor's dog that got loose, pick it up and take it over to that neighbor and return it to them. Our heart doesn't do those things. Our heart doesn't build homes, protect our house, tend gardens, type out emails or posts for the world to read. Now, 
or the, the, the scripture puts hands and hearts together. And I think that's super important. A lot of times we don't we don't think about that as as Christians very well. We think our heart is over here and then our hands are over here and we don't connect the two very well. Now, our our hands beautify our body and we in turn beautify our hands, yet we often don't beautify our hearts and we don't think our hearts beautify our body. But I'm, I'm again, I'm 57 years old and and I've seen a lot of people that look good on the outside. And then after a decade or two, they don't look so good on the outside or they still look good on the outside. But the sourness or the pain or the ugliness, the, the unattractiveness, 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 good grief. The lack of beauty in their heart, the lack of cleanliness in their heart, the lack of care for their heart begins to show through how they treat people, how they speak to people, how they how they don't reach out to people, how they ignore people, how they don't serve people. And so we've got to watch out for that quite a bit. I'm going to I'm going to throw another scripture here about about this connection between this deeply spiritual thing of our heart or this hidden thing of our heart. And then also our, our hands, if my scripture will come up here about honoring our moms. And we kind of dislike this a lot. Uh, we want to we be able to let our hands do what our hands do and then say, but my heart is good. I'm not giving financially, but my heart is for the poor. I'm not giving towards anything in my community to, to preach the gospel, but my heart is for the gospel. Okay, we've got to connect. If we, if our heart is for something, our hands will be doing something. If our heart is is happy and joyful, then our hands will be happy and joy doing happy and joyful things. It's true also of our mouth. It's true also of our feet. But our hands are the ones that are tangibly doing most of the things around us. Now, in Proverbs thirty one thirty one, you know the Proverbs thirty one um, scripture, the the Proverbs thirty one woman. It says, "Honor her for all that her hands have done." I thought that was interesting. I've never caught this before. We keep it at honor her. Just so you're a great mom. That's all. You're a great mom. You're a great mom. I love you. You're a great mom. You're the best. But we honor a mom, the heart of a mom for what her hands are doing in raising her children. We honor a mom, a mother, a woman, and, and a man. But this, this Mother's Day, and it's specifically to two women in this scripture, is that we honor them for what they've done, what they're producing, what they're building, what the how they're protecting their family, how they're being good stewards with the with the marriage, with the husband, with the job, with the home, with the kids that they've been given. So there's a connection there with the, between our hands and our hearts is really important. Now I want you to I want to go back to the slamming of the door. That the, the tone. So if you walk out of the if you walk out of the house and you use your hand and you shut the door and the door slams bang and it's really loud because the wind picks it up. Not a problem. All right. You go out, you go out and you slam the door hard because you're mad. Then 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 that becomes a problem. That tone. It's the both. It's always the both. It's always your heart and your hands. It's always your heart and your hands. So that's the first thing I wanted to share. The second thing is, is uh, the, the core of what I want to talk about, about a clean heart, because a lot of us would never let our hands become as dirty as our hearts have become. 
I want to say that again. A lot of us would never let our hands become as dirty as our hearts have become. We would take care of our hands. We would soak them. We would scrub them. We'd pay somebody to work on them if our hearts became as ugly, as filthy, as dirty as our hands. If, if our hands became as filthy and dirty as our hearts sometimes are. And I'm going to like describe that and explain a dirty heart, a filthy heart. Now, how do we do anything? And I've kind of covered this, but how do we do anything good in this life for those we love? How do we do anything good for those uh, in our neighborhood? How do, we, how do we love our neighbor? We don't do it, it, it tangibly with our heart. We do it with our hands, not with our hearts. We don't even really do it with our mouths. We can say, hey, I love my wife, but never serve my wife. We can say, I love my children, but never protect them and never provide for them. Now, we can declare all we want that our heart is good. But if our hands aren't proving it, then our heart's probably not good. Our heart produces fruit, and the fruit our heart produces is built through or provided by the hands, tangibly by the hands. Now, we can carefully choose words in, in church, church Christian, Christianity, church, churchgoers, religious people, me and you, can be really good about choosing the right words that make others think that our heart is good, that make others think that our intentions are good, that make other people think that I have a clean heart when we don't. Hold on a second. That's my. This is how early I'm up. That's my alarm for me getting up. So I've been up since about 530. But sorry for that interruption. I thought I turned everything off. So now we can declare all we want that our hearts are good. We can choose careful words to let people know, to signal to people, my heart is good. All right. But until these hands get busy with providing tangible fruit, tangible evidence of the goodness and purity of my heart, then I really am not loving my neighbor. Then I'm really not loving my spouse. <clears throat> I'm really not loving my children. So how will you do more good in this next season of your life? How will you do more good in this next season of your life? You allow God to clean your heart. And when God starts cleaning your heart, as you offer it to him, you offer him these areas that are unclean, you offer him these areas in your heart, these areas nobody else might be able to see, you offer them, he cleans them, and in doing so, it begins to produce the right good works in you. And the evidence of the goodness, the evidence of the purity that's coming from your heart, then flows onto your children, flows onto your spouse, flows onto your neighbors, and even flows on to your enemies. Now, what types of things do we need to clean up in our hearts? I'm going to co co go over a couple of them, all right? I'm not going to dig in real deep in them, but you're going to have heard these words before. <clears throat> of course, you're going to have heard them before. But how do we how do we clean up these areas? Not how do we, but what areas do we need to clean up? They're often stopping because if if your heart to your hands is a pipeline, a conduit, and, it, and your, your heart is clogged up, you have problems breathing, you'll have chest pains, you'll have, to be, you'll have to slow down, you'll have to do different things, you have to change the way you want to live and how active you want to be. And a lot of times we're not as active as we're called to be, we're not as active, as active in life as we want to be because our heart, the sin, the, the dirtiness in our heart 
is is out there is moving is 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 not letting the blood flow into our hands and to do those good works. So, and there's a there's <clears throat> there's three filthy things that I want to talk about. Three filthy things that we need to clean our hearts with, or we need to allow God to clean our hearts. And I I think that. There, there's something symbolic in washing our hands, and we we do the ABC these AB ABC the ABC D song the ABC not the ACDC song but the ABC song. We sing it and we we wash our hands for a certain amount of time, and and I go over a, I I say a phrase in my head seven times, six or seven times, and that's my that's my seconds for washing my hands. So you just you wash them, and there's something about that about contemplating what is going on in my heart. What is going on in my mind? What am I thinking? Where, 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 where in my life are my hands not producing what I say I want them to produce? Where in my life are my words not producing what I say I want them pr- to produce? And then we look back into our heart. We don't try to control our words. We don't try to control our hands. We go back and we surrender our heart unto the Lord. And that takes care of so much. So one filthy thing this is the first one that christians seem really okay with hiding in their hearts with storing in their hearts and it's making them sick 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 mentally emotionally and physically is unforgiveness we seem to be okay with holding unforgiveness with holding grudges against people who have offended us I want to say that again. We seem to be okay with holding grudges against people who have offended us. We give ourselves the right to be offended. We give ourselves the right to hold a grudge, and we give ourselves a right to hate that person. Even if we say, oh, I don't hate them, or even if we say I've already forgiven them, it is evident often in what our hands and our mouth is doing that we have not forgiven them. When we hold on to persistent, consistent, deep, cesspool-type feelings towards people, and we want them punished, then we are still walking in unforgiveness. And I want to encourage you to get some help when it comes to unforgiveness. I want to encourage yourself to constantly check the condition of your heart when when you hear the, the language that you're using, the words that you're using about people, when you feel the emotion that you're having towards people and you're feeling this grudge towards them, don't allow yourself to justify your grudge against them. Because what you're saying is God won't hold the grudge against me. God has forgiven me, but I will take the right upon myself that I don't have the right to judge God's people, but I will take that upon myself and I will take the judgment that he's removed from me, but I won't remove it from them. There's a whole bunch of stuff in scripture about that. <clears throat> Unforgiveness is one of the filthiest things we can hold in our heart. It does a lot of ugly stuff to us. I think it makes us more uh, less attractive. I think over time, when you when 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 unforgiving people that have held grudges for a long, long time, they don't even know that their grudges are so deep, it's just so ingrained in how they think that they actually begin to become less attractive. I think they have mental processing problems because unforgiveness is junking up. And these other two things, this goes for everything I'm going to talk about, is junking up the way they think. They can't think kingdom because there's so much closing off 
the kingdom conduit into their life and into their hands. So <clears throat> we, when we release ourselves or we give ourselves permission to be unforgiving, then we release ourselves from God's way. We say, I don't want to participate in God's plan because God's plan is forgiveness. We release ourselves from the purity of God because, and when we say, because Bob did this to me, or he said that to me, therefore I have a right to not forgive him. We are opposing the very heart of God and our heart is in trouble. Our heart is, is becoming filthy. And the longer we hold on to it, the deeper the roots go, the sicker we become because the more polluted that unforgiveness in our heart makes our heart. All right. The second filthy thing that we hold on to that we seem to, to really like to have is judgment. We like to have the right to judge everybody from the guy driving in front of us in the car. And that's a tough one because it doesn't seem that important. But we're assuming when we judge him that we would have never acted that way. And we're assuming that he should be punished in a way that we would never want to be punished. Now, people who harbor unforgiveness have typically judged the person in advance. So they, they, it's, it's an easier tag to have, to, to, to have that judgment if you've been unforgiving. But, but this judgment of people is interesting because, again, we believe that God is judging us. God is judging me. And I'm not sad about that. I'm crazy happy about that because he's a perfect judge and he's going to judge me with the perfect heart, with the perfect standard. And then he's going to provide the standard of his son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. So I'm not worried about my ju judgment. But if I do, I, if 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 my heart is not attached to I'm no longer judgeable, you don't get to judge me. No man gets to judge me. I don't even have the right to judge myself when my heart is my heart will go in that direction. When I realize that his judgment is so pure that I will be judged by one who is perfect and one who is loving, one who will balance all things out well on my behalf. And when we judge people, we judge people according to our standard and not according to God's standard. Yes, there are things to abide by. Yes, there are good things to do, but we don't, I'm not saying don't judge anything, but don't be judgmental. Don't hold judgment in your heart. Don't let judgment be the lens with which we, with which you see people in which you see life. And you know, with the COVID right now, we're in a huge, uh, it's like a, a big, we've already been a judgmental culture, but Facebook and media has helped us to be much more judgmental. So we're judging what every, what every politician is saying or doing. And I'm not saying there's not some discernment. There's not some things to rightly, rightly divide, but we're judging every little mayor and governor and business owner and doctor who says anything. And we're just so judging so much stuff. And it just seems that it's coming from a bad place. Um, and, uh, in especially when we judge people and we've never led a group of people, imagine leading a, a, a town of three or 4 million and having to say things and not make any mistakes. And you make a mistake and you get judged and you get ridiculed. Judgment puts you in the seat of the mocker. Judgment puts you in the seat of the one that's mocking those that are in leadership. I don't want to be in that place. I don't think you want to either. So I want to go back to something I said, because this is something that, that's just been so freeing for me. 
is the Lord has is just been so funny and like showing me my judgment of people, especially certain categories of people. And you have the same thing, most likely, that there's you know, certain people you don't judge, certain people you do judge. I don't judge the non the non Christian hardly at all. I don't judge the irreligious or the people struggling. I judge the religious because that I come from that background. So I, that's who I have a struggle with. And the Lord has been so funny. It's a whole nother story for me to talk about that. But it's just like you're judging that person. And he's made me go and like give financially to them or he's had me go. And so next time you see them, go up and bless them and go up and love them with your words and give them something with your hands. And it's an indicator that my heart is getting right. My heart is being turned in the right direction when my hands start doing those things. So when I got to, when I, I, it took years for me to learn, I have no right to judge God's children. I have no right to judge God's creation. So if that's true, that's every person that's ever been born. Now, again, I don't want to, I don't want you to say I don't rightly divide. I decide who comes in my house and who doesn't come into my house. I decide what school my daughter goes to. I decide those things based upon my judge, my judging those things in proper ways. Okay. And then this judgment thing is really interesting because then the Lord was like, even wanting to take my thoughts at a deeper level towards people. Don't only not judge them, but don't be neutral towards them. Neutral is better than judgment, but go to loving them and accepting them and honoring them and finding the gold in them and speaking about the gold in them. But my judgment, I couldn't see anything good about them. There's nothing I could see good about these people. All right. So then the third level for me was God saying, Hey, Les, you have no right to judge yourself. Why do you condemn yourself with your words? Why do you judge yourself so harshly? So I'm now in the process of learning to be a non-judgmental observer of myself, a non-judgmental observer of my heart, a non-judgmental observer, a kind, gracious observer of my attitudes, of my emotions, and of my thoughts, and of my sin, then I'm partnering with God when I can be non-judgmental about myself and allow his judgment, which is perfect, which is pure, which is life-giving. It's not filthy, dirty, stinky stuff like my judgment is towards myself. So we've got this other, this third thing is bitterness. Now, there's scriptures about bitterness, about a root of bitterness and things like that. But bitterness, you know, when you look up bitterness in the dictionary, so you have unforgiveness, you have judgment, and the third filthy thing, the last filthy thing. And don't get me wrong, there are other filthy things that we have in our heart. There's jealousy, there's comparison, there's hatred, there's just a culture of fear, there's racism and pride, all filthy things that pollute our hearts. And they drive our hands to wickedness. They drive our hands to filthy things or almost worse than filthy things. Because if you're doing filthy things, if you're doing bad things with your hands, you can get caught. But often it puts our hands into our pockets where we just don't act. And that's equally as damaging, equally as bad as your hands doing wicked things, I believe. And that's that's a whole nother conversation to have. But so there are other, other filthy things. So I'm talking unforgiveness, judgment, and then bitterness. 
bitterness is when you look in the dictionary, it is it is not just a an attitude or bitter because your expectations of what others should have done didn't get met. All right. And it gets deep and deep and deep. Bitterness always has a should attached to it. They should have given me my inheritance. They should have been kinder to me. My husband and my wife should not have cheated on me, should not have left me. That's what I'm going to focus on, on that should part. Our expectations are damaged. And instead of renewing ourselves constantly, we keep we keep going to our past. We have to go to, to, to stay bitter. We have to keep drinking from the polluted well of our past. To stay bitter, we have to keep watching the old movies of our past. We can't stay bitter for reading scripture and moving forward and looking forward. We can stay bitter if we're if we're judging God and saying, God, you should have done something. God, you should have made it different in my life. Then blaming God leads to bitterness. But who wants to say they've bl they're blaming God? There's a lot of language out there about blaming God, and that's a whole series of messages about God blame, all right, that I don't have the time and I don't have the, the knowledge right now to teach that message. But when you look up bitterness in the in the dictionary, you can have a bitter taste in your mouth. So bitter is a physical sensation. And I think of, of judgment, there's a sensation and it corrupts your body. All right. And then unforgiveness, there's a, there's a sensation that corrupts your body over time. I think bitterness is like the culmination of a lot of judgment, a lot of different things, a lot of filthiness, but it's the deeper, darker, roots of some of these things, man, it's ingrained in you. And it is hard to find bitterness if you're already bitter, but people around you know that if you're bitter, if we put some language to it, they would know that you're bitter. Um, so bitter is a, is a, is a sensation often and it tastes bitter. It's like, oh, oh, and you experience a person, you're like, oh, that person, that person tasted bitter. And, 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 and it, it's, it's the taste or it's a, it's a, it's, um, it's a filter. Bitter people see with a filter. Judgmental people see and hear with a filter. If unforgiving people see and hear with a filter of unforgiveness. And so the person that's bitter has often buried their unforgiveness very deeply. They've often buried their judgments very deeply. They've often buried their, their wrong beliefs about God very deeply, and they've hidden them often covered with a layer of lilies, covered with a layer of sunflowers, covered with a layer of beauty about who God is, but there's a bitterness underneath there because they have judgment against God and judgment against others. And this hiddenness in our hearts are just constant cesspools of things, and it creates a bacteria of evil that infects every part of our, of our heart, Every part of our thinking, our emotional, uh, our ability to have emotions, it corrupts all of those things. It's it's interesting because it even these things even are they're so filthy, they're so corrupting, they're so um, infectious that you can hear somebody say a word of grace to you, and you go, "Well, what do you mean by that?" And somebody can do something for you and say, "Well, they just did that because," and it it, it, it it's a filter that comes in and it, it, I mean, I'm sorry, it's a filter of what we see and what we hear that heart condition when it's filthy begins to put up the fences and filters of everything that's good and everything that's of God. 
I've met people that are living in abundance. Their kids love them. Their, their, their wife and their husband have stayed with them, yet they are bitter and they filter everything that they hear these family members say. And it's always negative. It's always bitter. It's always ugly. So I just want to encourage you to let the Lord purify your heart. So from here, I want to go to this, this next, this, this third thing is like where to, where do, and I kind of started this as an introduction, but I want to like get this again. Where do clean hands come from? Where do clean hands come from? Well, in scripture, we just read in Psalms, well, we read it 30 minutes ago, but clean hands come from a pure heart. So where does a pure heart come from? It comes from God. We don't purify our own heart. Reading scripture over and over and over again doesn't purify our heart. All right. Now, if that scripture positions us in front of God, positions us to hear from God and that work begins, then that happens. But just the nature of memorization, just the nature of Bible study, just the nature of worship in and of itself does not do it. It that takes us to a place of receiving in our hearts. And so these hands, they start doing good works. They become pure and do good works when my heart is good. And it's an overflow from heaven to my heart, to my mouth, to my hands. I even begin to hear differently. I begin to see differently. All right. So where do clean hands come from? Come from a pure heart. Where does a pure heart come from? Comes from heaven. Now we want our we want our actions to be good. We want our works to be good, pure, uplifting. Yes, yes, yes. We want our actions in our life, in our hands, to produce and to build, to perform, to get results, good results and godly results. We think it's just godly results, like just prophecy or just people getting saved or just me being spiritual. But God wants multiplication. God wants addition. God, I, no, I'm just going to say God wants multiplication. He wants things increased. He wants the, the goodness of him increased on the earth through me and you. He wants more people fed. He wants more people in housing. He wants less people addicted to drugs and alcohol and TV and religion and work and pornography. So he, he, we do those things as we get a pure heart and our hands become pure. So yes, we want those things. And, but these actions and words don't come from hard work. They don't come from the incessant washing of our hands. I got to be good. I got to be good. I got to memorize. Oh, I should. You don't know how many times I hear people say, oh, and they, uh, you know, it's like, I got this good soap. I got this good sanitizer. I got this good stuff. And oh, I just, I need to pray more. I need to pray more. Oh my gosh. I need to, I need to read my Bible. I know I don't read my Bible enough. You know, I haven't been to church. I know, I know. And I haven't, I don't Bible study and I wasn't a men's group, but I'm not anymore. I need to get in one. It's this incessant stuff that we do thinking that we can clean our hands. And then in cleaning our hands, the inside of our vessel will be cleansed. We as Christians are cleansed from the inside out. We as Christians are cleansed from the inside out. And many of us have been taught to cleanse the inside. I'm, I'm sorry, to clean the outside and just hide the dirtiness of the inside. And I'm saying, let the Lord open you up. Let the Lord open you up and clean you on the inside. Let the Lord, I mean, okay, I'm going to rephrase that. Don't let him open you up because he won't. He's, he's, already, he's already given you something. You open yourself up. 
don't you're not waiting on him to do something. He's already done his something. He sent Jesus. He died for us. He was risen from the dead. He was ascended into heaven. He lives in our hearts and he lives in heaven. You have the Holy Spirit. You surrender your heart and God will begin to purify your hands as he purifies your heart. So I'm going to skip. I still have one more point, but I'm going to skip that because I've already gone like 30 something minutes. So conclusion is this. All of your energy should not be focused on the cleansing of your hands. It should be focused on the cleansing of your heart. All of your energy should not be on organizing your world around you. It should be on organizing your heart according to heaven. The washing of the heart is way more crucial than the washing of the hands. It takes longer. It's scarier. It's harder. People don't get to see the result as fast. But over time, you you pay attention to your heart. You surrender your heart. You do the hard work of your heart. You let your heart take over the beliefs that you have. You let your heart, from the, the kingdom heart that you have, you let it be grown up. You let it impact and put filters on your ears and your eyes and your mind, and things will change for you. As the heart is healed up and cleaned up and gains real freedom, I want you to hear that your heart is healed up. It's cleaned up. It begins to gain real freedom. Then our hands get set free, healed up, disciplined, and, and set free to do the task we were created to do. Parenting becomes easier. Marriage becomes easier. Our, our friendships become better. We become better neighbors and our, our relationships become better. Even our relationships with our enemies become better when our heart is cleaned up. All right? Our heart organized to heaven, uh, cleansed by heaven, cleansed by the cross, uh, it's not a perfect heart. A clean heart is not a perfect heart. Just check out check out King David. A clean heart is not without flaw. A clean heart is a heart that's submitted to God, a heart that is submitted to God. And the good news is when you submit your heart to him, he will clean it over and over and over again. And then our hearts will be following the heart of the Father. Our hearts will be following the hearts of the Father our hearts will overflow into our hands, into our words, into how we spend our time. And your life will be changed as you seek to live with clean hands and a pure heart. All right. God bless y'all. I love you. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, happy Mother's Day.